0: So tonight we're dealing with Romans chapter 7, and the whole book of Romans, we're dealing with the theme of having faith full, making our faith grow, teaching the doctrine of faith, salvation, what happens when you give your life to God. Romans chapter 7, we would like to deal with the limits of the law, the limits of the law. So a middle-aged woman was called to serve on jury duty. And she asked to be excused because she didn't believe in capital punishment. Now, that's the death penalty. And she thought her personal views would prevent the trial from running smoothly. Well, the prosecution lawyer liked her. She was thoughtful. She had a quiet assurance. So he tried to convince her she would make an excellent juror. Madam, he explained, this is not a murder trial. It's a simple civil lawsuit. A wife is bringing this case against her husband because he gambled away the $12,000 which he had promised to buy her new kitchen. Well, okay, agreed the woman, I'll serve. I guess I could be wrong about that capital punishment thing after all. So, but <laughs> the limits of the law. So the law has limits. And we're going to look at some of the limits of the law of Moses, which is more than the Ten Commandments. There are hundreds of laws in the Old Testament and the Christian relationship to the law of Moses. Well, I found out the limits of the law when I was younger and I took a tour of the aircraft carrier, the Abraham Lincoln, when I was in Hong Kong. I was a uh, senior in high school. And after the tour, you have to, they don't park an aircraft carrier at the pier. They park it out in the, in the water, and you take these little boats called junks, and they go from the pier to the, to the aircraft carrier. I got separated from my parents, and so I rode the junk with a bunch of sailors back to the pier. Now, when we got there, there was an officer there, and there were two guys with shotguns. And he was inspecting the people that got off that Liberty boat. They were getting ready to go have some fun in Hong Kong. Well, the officer, he looked at me and he said, "Um, Hey, why don't you get a t-shirt from one of the guys? Well, who was that officer? He was the law for the Navy. They had to look a certain way when they went on Liberty when they had time off. Well, how did you look, Pastor Bigelow? If my memory serves me correctly, pretty much I thought I was cool, okay? But I looked like a pile of trash, okay? Probably had, if my memory serves me correctly, a mohawk. I had a hat with the visor ripped off, looked like a beret on. Unshaven, an inside out sweatshirt, right? cut off army pants with the strings hanging down and i thought this this officer wanted me to get a free t-shirt and so i responded saying no thanks you know i'm good and he looked at me and that law voice came out he said get a t-shirt from one of the guys and i began to realize something he thought i was in the navy and that i wasn't dressed appropriately because I was a bunch around a bunch of Navy guys, young, you know, I could have fit in. And so realizing that, I fumbled for my ID card that showed me as a civilian and showed that to the man. And he looked at it and he kind of sheepishly said, oh, oh you can go. Well, what was he saying? He was saying, when I was set free, I wasn't under his law. See, there are limits to laws. Laws are rules that can be enforced by an authority. Like what? Well, if you want to find out what I'm talking about, tear through the red lights, okay? Speed a lot. You will find out what I'm talking about. Because the law will come and they will give you a little ticket. And you'll, It's an expensive class. Like It's a $150 class. You'll find out what the laws are. They're rules that are enforced. They're enforced. They're not just uh, just do this, but do this or else. Okay. That's what a law is. So we're going to break down, uh, chapter seven. Let's just jump right in. So the first six verses deal with the law. And when I'm speaking about that, I'm speaking about the law given to Moses that Israel was under, which is a bunch of rules on how to live for God. Verses one to six, the law and the Christian Verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, speaking to his fellow uh, Jews, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. I was going to say Mormon, but that was really mean. And now it's on the podcast. But, but if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. My wife's laughing. So. But people do that. Okay, People get married to other people when their other husband or wife is still alive. Hey, if people can do it, I can talk about it. But the bible said but if her husband be dead she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man and really in the mormon religion it's the man that gets married to a bunch of women it's not the woman that gets married to a bunch of men i don't know any religion that does that so anyway to just be true well when you get married what do you say till death do us part well, if my wife, I've been married so long, if she leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> so, but the Apostle Paul said there's a law. There are laws to that relationship. But if you have one person in that relationship die, you're free from the law. But we're going to carry that down to verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, now he makes another assertion, ye also are become dead to the law. By the body of Christ. He's not talking about necessarily the church, the body of Christ. He's talking about what Christ did on the cross. By Christ's sacrifice on the cross, you died to that relationship with the law of Moses. That you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. There's a lot in there. So the Bible says... In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it's one of my favorite verses. Paul explains this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. That means I'm dead. That's what crucified means, dead. With who? Christ. And then he says what? Nevertheless, I live. So I've died in Christ to that relationship to Israel, the relationship to God's law. And then he said... Nevertheless, I live. Then he said, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I like the blood songs. We just sang one on Sunday. It is the blood of Christ. The blood, not that he shed on the cross, but that Passover lamb blood, when he shed his blood and died. That's what we're talking about. Not just the drop of his blood, but the blood that he shed in dying for our sins. Are you washed? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? What about nothing but the blood? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, And then we sang power in the blood. Would you be free from the burden of sin? Not going to church, not getting baptized in water. There's power in the blood. Then it asks, would you or evil a victory win? There is wonderful power in the blood. So the blood of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross by shedding gives us victory over the law because we're not... It has limits. It doesn't apply to us anymore. I remember this man, he said in uh, Winn-Dixie, I was leaving, he goes, he goes, he was really smiling. He goes, keep the Ten Commandments. Keep the Ten Commandments. And I was thinking, I had to talk to him because I said, if the Ten Commandments worked, <laughs> Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on the cross. If the commandments were the easy part, but the Bible said, by the keeping of the law shall no flesh be Justified. Even if you were able to keep the law, you still got something that's called the nature of sin in you, having a problem that Adam started that Christ needed to fix. But of course, no one lives a perfect life. People manifest that sin nature by the fruit of their lives. But Jesus came, not the Ten Commandments, but the cross is what brought us out of that old life. Verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, now Paul's looking back. Before he became a Christian, now when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, that word affections that's what the motions are, the passions of sins, those desires, which were by the law, now hold on there because I'm going to explain what that means, which were by the law did work in our members, arms, legs, eyes, noses, whatever parts of our body, to bring forth fruit unto death. But notice it says, When we were in the flesh. You see, Christians don't live this way. So, uh, verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead, wherein we were held. See, I'm free by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That we should serve in the newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. You know what rules are? You have to do this. You have to do that. Well, When I got saved, it wasn't, I have to go to church. It was, man, I get to go to church. I get to go to Bible study, conference, Bible reading. You know, and I'm not saying it was always easy to do, but man, it was exciting. Why? The law says I have to, but the grace of Christ says, man, I get to. The Bible even cares about how we give an offering. The Bible said the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I mean, if that attitude, that spirit, we worship the Lord, the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. And it's because that spirit of God comes into us. It's a new spirit, a new attitude. And we're made partakers. What is that? A participant. Someone had told me, said, well, we... You know, I was listening to a podcast, and they said, "Well, we have the sin nature," and I was like, "No, no. I mean, humans do, but and I'm not saying sin isn't real and sin isn't a temptation. It is a force. Let me tell you, to be reckoned with. But we're not slaves to sin. I'm a Christian. The Bible said he's holy, harmless and separate from sinners. So if I'm a Christian and Christ is in my life, I can't be a sinner because Christ is separate from sinners. That doesn't make any sense." But the Bible said we're a partaker in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? I'm a sharer. That's what a partaker. If you partake of someone else's food, <laughs> that means you help yourself, right? My daughter looks the other way. I'll eat her, especially her dessert, right? Partaker means a participant, an associate a fellow a partner you know if you're from texas partner that we might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust the book of hebrews said we're partakers of the heavenly calling we're partakers of christ partakers of the holy ghost and partakers of his holiness i don't see that as being partakers of the sin nature we're partakers of the divine nature so that's the relationship that we have as christians the law and christians we're not under that law people say well you have to keep the sabbath sayeth whom what did jesus get in so much trouble for he healed on the sabbath he even kept the sabbath and the jews didn't like the way that he did but in no place in the new testament does it say that you need to keep the sabbath and jesus lived under the law so jesus did keep the sabbath he was the only one that kept the law perfectly. But we're not to keep the Sabbath. That's one of the commandments. I break the Ten Commandments every week. Now, the spirit of that law, the spirit of all God's commandments are to do what? Love God. Jesus broke all the commandments down into two. To love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill him. You're not going to cheat him. You're not going to steal from him. And you're not going to covet their stuff. And so it all boils down. But the keeping of the Sabbath, and that's a big deal. Some people get wrapped around the axle on that. I'm not a Jew. I'm dead to the law in Christ. I've exited that law. There are limits to the law, and I'm outside that law. Just like that guy showed my ID card, and he's like, You can go. And I was like, Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't a Christian, but I was probably, Well, I don't know if I said thank you, Jesus. I might have cursed. Who knows? But I was happy to be out of there. But you know, The Bible says in verses 7 to 13, we deal with another group, the law and sin. So I'm going to explain what it says where it seemingly like says the law made you sin. That's not really the way that it is, but let's explain it. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Is it bad? Because it makes us sin, right? Can't believe they put speed limits. It makes me sin, right? When I put speed limits. Well, that's exactly kind of the way that it is. It said, God forbid... Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. I didn't know it was even wrong until I read, Ooh, that's wrong. Then it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. Do you think that natives walking around naked on the beach, do you think they're like coveting the other naked natives? Let me tell you, I grew up in Africa. People were just, when I was a kid, people were naked. Women walked around topless that's just what they did. In fact, isn't there a picture in my house? No, no, maybe not in my house, but there's a picture of like my mom holding a little baby and there's a topless woman right next to one of our photo albums. Brethren, that's how people dress. Let me tell you, they're not coveting other people's nakedness. It's just normal over there. There's no law against it. And if you see something every day, guess what? it gets old okay and you know the bible says though when there was a law against something then you're like wait a second i want that because it's wrong and there's something that rears up in me but sin in verse 8 taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me or worked in me all manner of concupiscence which is uh uh lust for without the law, sin was dead. Sin didn't have a need to exalt itself because there was nothing against it. Just do what you want. The devil's got you. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, the law was good. I found to be unto death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. So the problem isn't the law that God had given. The problem was that the sin in mankind was stronger than the rule not to do it. Say, well, ban murder. It's wrong. Well, how come it still happened? (laughs) Right? Say, well, it's wrong. Yeah, I know, but people do it all the time. Every day in Jacksonville, it seems. Someone gets killed. Why? Because that sin is stronger than the rule that says not to do it. It's like that man coming home from the doctor. He had high sugar, so the doctor's like, no sweets. But the man passed by and the Krispy Kreme light was flashing. Boom, 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 boom. So the man began to pray, Oh Jesus, I know that my doctor said no. But Lord, if there's a spot right next to the front door, I'll know that you want me to get a dozen. And I'll share one or two, or maybe two. So he's telling his friend about it. He said, well, was the spot open? He said, yes, praise God. After I circled the building 32 times, the spot came open. But you know that sometimes that's the way that it is. We're we're told not to do something. And then it's like, oh, I need that. It's that's what that is. And I'm talking about donuts. But really, with other things, people are like, well, I really want that. But I know I'm not supposed to get that. But I'm going to do it anyway. That's because the sin that is inside of a person is stronger than God's law that says, don't do that. Wherefore, verse 12, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So, The true us just came out when God said, don't do that. You know, you don't have to teach a kid how to lie. Even little girls ask me how I know. (laughs) Even when you can catch him in it. I mean, I can actually catch you in that. Are you sure you don't want to change your answer? Nope. Okay, let's go look at the evidence. And I remember when I caught her maybe a year, I don't know, some time ago. And I said, something like, honey, but... You knew I I could check. And she said something like, my heart was beating really fast. You know what that was? It's a conscience. And it didn't stop her from lying, but she knew it was wrong. And it wasn't even something that was a big deal. It was like a small deal. It was a nothing deal. But you know, when we lie, you know what the real problem is? It's a faith problem. Tell them I'm not here. Business ethics. There's no such thing as business ethics. It's just the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Truth, telling the truth is a faith thing. If I tell the truth, I'm going to be like, well, God, I'm just going to say the way that it is, you know, it's like, oh, preacher, people don't lie. It's tax season. People lie a lot. (laughs) I mean, I, I was given a hundred dollars by my neighbor and I put that down as income. He just gave me a hundred bucks for gas i tried to tell him no don't give me any money he goes here so i was like well i don't know if it's income or not but i just put that on my income i don't care so well you have to pay taxes but being right with god is more important than money i know people say that but when it costs them something let's tell the truth anyway so uh when we trust god we can tell the truth when it's hard you know and it's a blessing to just trust God. And sometimes it's not fun to tell the truth. But God has given us a new relationship. That's not even in there. Verse 14 to verse 25. So this is the law and the carnal man. The rest of the chapter. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So he's going to be dealing with the carnal man. This is a dealing with Christians. okay? This is dealing with the fleshly man. Carnal, like you know the word carne, it means meat, okay? It means sensual, what feels good, of the body. You know, like your body wants Krispy Kremes or wings or something, you know, but your body wants something. It's hungry. And there's a spiritual appetite that craves. The body wants spiritual things too. It wants, you know, whatever, sin, okay? Whatever feels good, right? So verse 15, Paul said, For that which I do, I allow not. Now, he's talking about the carnal man, not the spiritual man, okay? For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. You ever remember being a sinner? It's like, I'm not going to do that again. I remember my friend in the Marines, he had gotten really sick drinking, and he's like, oh, I'm never going to drink again. And I think it maybe was like the next week, you know. It took a week to wear off, and then he was back at it. But, you know, like, I'm never going to do that again. I promise, triple, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Now, who would ever do that, right? But you promise and promise, but you find yourself doing it again. And that's what Paul said. There was no power without Christ to keep the good things that God wanted you to keep. In verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent under the law that it is good. So the problem's not the law; the problem's me. The problem's not the Krispy creams. They didn't jump out of the box and into your mouth in small bites. Actually, you could put a warm one in in one bite. It just kind of just goes right in there. But they didn't do that, did they? We did. Now, verse seventeen said, "Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin." That dwelleth in me. So there's something in there that I have to contend with. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So Paul's saying when you're carnal and before you get saved, you have a will, but it's so overpowered by sin that you're just helpless. So your passion is stronger than your reason. It's like, I know that's right and that's wrong. But I just do the wrong thing over and over again. I, my actions are slave to my master, Satan or sin. That's hard to say, but when it comes down to it, how many people have made those, you know, I'm never going to do that again. You, you talk to them and it just doesn't work. The Bible said in Romans chapter five, verse 12, a couple of chapters ago, whereas by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon All men, for all have sinned. The problem's not your moral structure. The problem is that Adam sold out our family heritage in the Garden of Eden. And we have to accept Christ to get out of the curse. So you were born into it. It's not your fault. It's in your DNA, so to speak. But you can opt out of it with Jesus Christ. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. See, I find that there's a law that kind of is enforced. It's that law of sin. And the Bible said the law of sin and death is a real thing. There's lots of laws. There's a law of liberty, the law of Christ, the law of faith. There's the law of Moses. There's lots of laws. But, he said that there's, a, there's something in me that's like, it won't let me out. You know, there was a, a scripture I saw in a minivan. There was a picture of a T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And then it said, thou shalt not try me. And then it quoted the verse, mom, 24-7. <laughs> but there was a law. There's a law in that household, right? Thou shalt not try me. Verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So he's talking about not a Christian here, okay? A Christian's not uh, uh, given up to the power of sin, but if you're carnal, you are. If your flesh runs your world, and Christ doesn't run your world. This is where you are. And then he asks, "O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And what's a body of death? So there was a custom in ancient times where a tyrant, if you uh, had done wrong to the tyrant, they would actually lash a corpse to you. You'd be alive. And your death penalty was that they would lash a dead body to you. And you would just have to carry it around. You'd be free. You could just walk around. Well, what happens? Well, the contagion and diseases after a while kill the living person. That's what Paul was saying. Sin is like having a dead body strapped to you. And that's what the body of death means. But he said, who's going to deliver me? Well, like that songwriter said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch, Wretched man that I am. I wonder if he got it from there. He saved me from that. In verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this kind of ends the chapter funny because it seems like he's backtracking on the answer. The answer from sin is Christ. The answer out of the law, the answer out of the limits of sin is Jesus Christ will set you free. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. And it said, he ends the chapter by saying, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now that's not the victorious Christian. That's that carnal person. that's like, I want to do right, but I can't do it. So how do I do right? I like what one man said. He said, I just take Jesus wherever I go. If you ever, you get, uh, say, a preacher, well, I had crazy thoughts running through my mind today. But you know what? They can fly through there, but you don't have to let them stand there. You don't have to let them sit on your head and poop like a bird, right? You just shoo them off. My wife's like, that's on the podcast too, right? That's on the podcast. But it's what happens in real life. But God gave us freedom from being bound by the old master. I have a new master. And sometimes, to remind the devil, if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, he'll flee. And it's not resist the devil that's the important part. It's just saying, Jesus, I'm yours. God, I belong to you because I am outside the limits of the law. It has no more control over me. God bless you is our prayer. See you this Thursday. We're going to have church. Amen. God bless you. And let's dismiss in prayer. Uh, Sister Bigelow, would you dismiss us in prayer?